<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. And welcome back. Uh, can I use your mic? DJ, hit me! This is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Gary Hoffman. The problem, sir, is that our hero is not, uh, he's not a handsome man. Shannon Farron. The whole crowd band together and started chanting. Gary and Shannon. That's how the show started. That game last night did not disappoint. Man. Always a good time between the Packers and the Bears. Well, and who didn't think that, I mean, we were just going to see another ridiculously highly paid athlete in Aaron Rodgers just be out. Like, that knee injury right. looked like, you know what, he's he's 37 or 35. 30. He's on the cart. He's shaking his head yeah. as they're taking him into the, into the tunnel. And... Oh, I felt so bad for Deshaun Kaiser, too, because he looked pretty pretty good on that first drive and then just got lit up, and Mac looked like a god for, that, like, five minutes. Unbelievable. And everyone's exploding about John Gruden on Twitter and everything, and then Aaron Rodgers does what Aaron Rodgers does. Whoever thought he wasn't going to come back in the fourth quarter, you're nuts. You don't watch Aaron Rodgers football because that's exactly what he does. Not you for one minute. You mean physically or you mean once he was back in the game? Once he was knew, back in the game. Yes. Not for one minute did I think that he wasn't going to come back and win that game. My favorite moment of the night, though, was Mitch Trubisky trying to quiet down the crowd at Lambeau. It's like, <laughs> bless your heart. Oh, bless your sweet. heart. Look at you. Somebody should pat you on the helm, Matt. Uh, well, let's see. We've got Florence. She has gotten super strong yeah. this morning. This thing rapidly intensified. They're saying this is a potential catastrophic Category 4 hurricane. Winds near 130 miles per hour. Yeah, so you have states of emergency declared in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia right now, and that could expand as the day goes by and we get uh, a better idea of where this thing is going to make landfall. Bob Woodward talking today on the Today Show about Mad Dog Mattis and about Kelly and 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 all their denials, saying that they are not telling the truth and that their denials are political statements to protect their jobs. Are you surprised by that? No. Uh, I mean, I I would be I would be a million times more surprised if they said, yeah, I said something like that, but I did it in a, in a moment of uh, frustration or something right. like that. No, of course not. Um, and then I-5 still closed up through Northern California, uh, north of Redding towards Mount Shasta because of the Delta fire that continues to burn up in that area. We'll talk about fires uh, at the beginning of next hour. We've got to start with this Les Moonves story. As of Friday, it had been reported that Les Moonves, the head of CBS, was in talks with the board to leave the company because of allegations of sexual misconduct. And uh, when we did the story on Friday, there was a discussion because 
it hadn't really come out the the uh, solid the solidity perhaps of the allegations against him were kind of shaky, and they were, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago in some cases. Well, overnight on Saturday, those details were firmed up by The New Yorker, a bombshell report detailing an additional six accusations against Les, all occurring between the 1980s and early 2000s, allegations including uh, forced oral sex, violent outbursts, groping, repeated sexual advances. The details are just utterly disgusting. So of these 12 women that have come forward with these allegations against Les Moonves, in a couple of statements that he put out, He does admit to consensual sexual relations with three of them. Uh, His wife, everybody knows Julie Chen from the uh, the 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 talk, one of those shows, the talk, I think is what it's called. Uh, And also she's been the host of Big Brother for a long time and has appeared in several different CBS properties Uh, as his wife. She came out over the summer uh, with a statement that said, I know I know he's had relationships in the past, but he is a stand up guy, et cetera, et cetera. And again, there appears to be a cutoff point in terms of the allegations against him, at least the ones that we know of. And he married Julie Chen in 2004. So they've been married for 14 years. And the ones that we know about, these allegations against him, all came before that time. Phyllis Golden Gottlieb is 82 years old now, and she was a TV industry veteran. She claims Les sexually assaulted her in 1986. She says she worked with him at the studio Lorimar in the 1980s. She had already had an impressive TV career. Um, she had time with Walt Disney Motion Pictures Group. She held executive posts at MGM and at NBC. And in 1986, Moonves was in charge of TV movies at Lorimar, and she was in charge of developing sitcoms. So she told The New Yorker that he invited her to lunch to talk business but instead took her on a drive to an out-of-the-way area and forced her to perform oral sex. The, uh, the account that she gives to The New Yorker is graphic. Uh, I don't know how much we can get into that. But he grabbed her head. Yeah, took it all the way down. Yeah. And she says she was numb and uncertain what to do, but did demand he drive her back to the studio. She said when she got back to work, she threw up. She says she was a single mother at the time supporting two children and feared for her career, and he was the new golden boy. And so she kept quiet, but she says the assault never left her. um, There's an interesting angle to this that I didn't catch when I first saw this yesterday. Phyllis Phyllis is in her early 80s right now and, and is retired, so she's recounting this story. At the time, so she would have been, that was 32 years ago, so she would have been... 50-ish, you know, around there. Les Moonves, born in 50, he would have been 30-something. Interesting. Uh, to but me, that's always, an interesting dynamic. But, well, the thing is, and I did read this, she's always looked so much younger hmm. than okay. she is. She never looked, I don't think she looked the 50 that she was. She said that two years after that first assault in 1988, she was called to his office. He's in there, and then he leaves the room for a bit, returns, and he's not wearing pants. And he's... <laughs> At attention. So hold on a second. I didn't get it at first, but this is why you suggested when I left the office to go grab something off the copy or you said, 
Hey, make sure you have your pants on when you come back. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now I was I, reading this article. Now I understand. <laughs> Just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. Appreciate that. <laughs> Jessica Pallingston is another woman who said she worked for several years as an assistant to several executives at Warner Brothers, first employed directly by the company and then through an outside contractor. And she was assigned to uh, help Les Moonves, assist Les Moonves for several days in the spring of 94. So she had a dream of writing. She had studied writing. She wanted to break into the industry, and she's working as an assistant. She shows up at Les Moonves' suite at the Regency Hotel about 10 minutes early for her appointment, and he comes to the door in a bathrobe. Tried and true trick. Just ask Charlie Rose, right? I mean, but then he goes back and changes, puts his clothes they always on. always wear the robes. I've never, I've never, by the way, I don't think I've ever in my life worn a robe and thought to myself, this is comfy. I'm going to stay in this thing for hours. Comfy slash sexy. Anyway, he sat in a large <laughs> chair at one end of the living room, again, fully clothed at this point, And he starts asking her about her, her ambitions. And she talks about, hey, I, I've always wanted to be a writer. So, so then she, he starts asking some personal questions. Are you single? Are you straight? He offers her a glass of wine. The meeting's at 10 in the morning. He offers her a glass of wine. And she says, okay. And he pours himself a glass. He drank it super quick. And she says, listen, I was at work, and I didn't want to be rude by turning down the wine, but I wasn't going to drink it, you know, not fast like he did. And then he asks for a massage. Uh, so she crosses the room. He puts her hands on his neck and shoulders and tells her how to do it before, you know what? He says, never mind. Tells her to sit back down. Never mind. That's like when my wife asked me to go to the store to buy, you know, personal things. And I'm like, I don't, I can't, I have no idea. That's a long story. Still? What? What do you mean still? So he says, haven't you ever given a massage to your boyfriend? And he gets irritated. So he starts asking more sexual questions and asking, do you like powerful men? Stuff like that. And she said it was totally uncomfortable. At one point, he's kissing her. Shoving his tongue down her throat, her quote, like he was trying to reach my stomach. Oh, for the love. And then he said, I want you to, uh, I'll paraphrase, perform an act upon me. I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bold move, isn't it? I mean, that is confidence right there. I don't know if confidence is the right word. Delusional I, I, confidence. I don't, bold misplaced move. Misplaced confidence. Terrible. Um, okay, we gotta we got to take a break. We'll t- finish telling that story. Also, some other bombshells that he actually tried to ruin the careers of women who re- rejected him and that he regularly harassed massage therapists. We'll get into all of it when we come back. Gary and Shanna will continue. Over the weekend, there was a headline out of Dallas. A police officer went home to what she thought was her apartment, ended up in the wrong apartment, and thought that the guy living there was actually an intruder. She shot and killed him. She's been charged with manslaughter. Now, there have been, we're going to talk about this coming up next, but there have been a lot of signage protesting going on, change policing. I don't think this had anything to do with policing. 
I think this was somebody no, who went out, state. drank too much, uh, came home and, and overreacted. Uh, shares of CBS, by the way, are falling in the first day of trading after Les Moonves stepped down late yesterday after this bombshell report in the in the New Yorker that included detailed descriptions of sexual assault, really. Side note, we know that he's a step down and the even though three days ago they were talking about a severance package, it's not likely that he's going to get anything. Um, CBS is going to put one hundred and twenty million dollars into a grantor trust that will be given to Moonves if. If the investigations that they're doing find that he was uh, free and clear, $20 million that Les Moonved was said to be donating to various Me Too charities is actually coming out of the pocket of CBS. And according to a filing submitted by CBS to the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, it turns out that Les Moonves is going to stay on at CBS as an advisor for two years, which includes... His own office and security detail paid for by the corporation. That's must be nice. Must be nice. Uh, world revolves around money, and don't let anyone tell you it doesn't. Uh, talked about Phyllis Golden Gottlieb and her accusation of him forcing her head down onto him. Uh, Jessica Pallingston also uh, about the massage situation, offering her wine, kissing her, asking her to perform the act. He also pushed her head down in a very violent, she says, very aggressive way. She says she started having a panic attack and couldn't stop shaking and describes that this was a guy who would bark orders at her and was just very aggressive. Now, they're not the only women to say that he retaliated against them either. Other women say that they face consequences from rejecting him. There was a makeup artist by the name of Deborah Green who worked for CBS says she was never hired by the print and publicity department after she said no to Moonbez. Uh, another woman, Deborah Morris, who worked at Lorimar during that same time, said that he made advances toward her, tried to assault her one night. She fought back, took off, ran from his vehicle to get away from him. She says after that incident, she was kept out of meetings. Her career was ruined. That was the end. I wasn't going to get a reference. I, um, I'm, I'm amazed at the Lack of oh by the way it wasn't just the women that he was working with when he was staying at the Four Seasons in D.C. in the late nineties and uh, and early part of this century massage therapists at the spa at the Four Seasons in D.C. would say I am not going back to that room you what? cannot get me to go back in there because of the things that that guy was asking me to do Deborah Kate is one of those massage therapists she says she worked for Moon Moonves for a period of two years he repeatedly propositioned her. She said, every time I went in there for about a year and a half to two years, he would ask me to work higher up on his leg in a way that was clearly sexual. Eventually, she lied and told him she was only interested in women, hoping that would stop his advances. God. One of the things that I think You guys are so sick. No, no, no. No, no, no. (laughs) One of the uh, things I think is interesting is the, um, you know, I've said this before. It's going to take someone to get their ass kicked. Before this is going to stop. I mean, we use the example of Brad Pitt having confronted Harvey Weinstein at one point about coming on to Angelina Jolie. And whether, I mean. Gwyneth Paltrow, wasn't it? Or Gwyneth Paltrow at the time. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, So whether that's uh, sort of, uh, I don't know how much truth is in that, but that's the kind of thing that has to happen. That's That's the kind of response that these guys would hear. Okay. Uh. 
And just to play devil's advocate here, a, a lot of people would say that it shouldn't take another man's intervention. I agree. That that a, that a woman should be able to shut this down without fear of retru- retribution or, or, or whatever. Um, but you're right. I think when it comes to these kinds of men, they're not there in their thinking yet to listen to a woman. Right. This, this is not the kind of guy who, when you say no, is going to be like, you're right. Totally. I overstepped my bounds. Right. Please don't hold this against me. I will he's do everything have an I can. Infantile to... reaction. Right. No, he's going to be that, and the only the only thing that that guy is going to respond to because he's used physical force to get what he wants is physical force to stop him from getting what he wants. Um, Nora O'Donnell on CBS this morning reiterated something she said back in November of last year when the Charlie Rose thing started hitting. And this is a guy that I mean, she was working with Charlie Rose on a day to day basis. So she was stunned by this. Now, I don't know if she sees Les Moonves every day, but she at least knows him and has worked with him. This is really hard. It is. This is hard for everybody at CBS News. I haven't talked about this before because when you think about it, I think the most powerful media executive in America has now resigned in the wake of this Me Too movement. And he's my boss, or he was my boss. And so that makes it really hard to comment on it. Um, Les has always treated me fairly and with respect. Um, Still, it's been, for me, it's been another sleepless night thinking about this, the pain that women feel. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to say that her feelings don't count. She can feel however she wants to about this. But if we found out, let's say we were working for uh, for a random corporation and we found out that one of our executives was accused of this on a regular basis. Not, not once, not twice, not five times. To- a dozen different women came forward and said that this guy was doing something like this. I don't know if I would feel bad about it. I don't know if the fact that he resigned. I don't know if I would feel torn up about the fact that somebody finally got caught. Well, here's BS. my problem. Like, let's use our boss, for example, Robin. Okay. And suddenly all the guys around the building say that she's been propositioning them. That's not the person that I know. There's no way she would ever do that. You know, so I think that... If 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 our boss was somebody like that, we would have been able to sniff that out. I don't believe the people that are like, oh, I'm floored. I just don't. Come on. Well, maybe that's, that's probably a better a, way to put it. Especially yes. at a I, news organization. There are no secrets. Yeah. It's a freaking rumor mill. It's a bunch of people that are paid to get to the bottom of a story. If there's something going on with a bad personality in the building, there's going to be sniffs of it. There's going to be hints of it. And for for people to say, oh, I just don't. I just feel terrible. I don't. It makes you sound like you're an ostrich, like you just put your head in the sand and ignored your gut reaction yeah. to somebody. The willful ignorance. Yeah. I mean, the whole Charlie Rose thing, when they did it back in November, there's I can understand because the, the situations that Charlie Rose was accused of were all outside of work. It was never in the building. It was never it was always while he was having somebody join him in the Hamptons for research or some BS like that, whatever it was. It wasn't in the office. So. Uh, to that end, I could kind of see that they say, this is not the guy that showed up to work every day. Okay, but then you look at the Matt Lauer situation. He was doing stuff in the office. Right. When those women went on television and said, I have no idea. Baloney. BS. Total BS. All right, we'll keep an eye on this because uh, I think we're going to see some more statements come out through the course of today from people who knew Les Moonves or know Les Moonves and are going to come to his defense or others who will come forward and say, yeah, uh, hashtag me too in all of this. So that's just one of the strange, uh, I guess, angles of this me too movement. But speaking of next hour, we're going to do the, uh, the yoga angle. 
Oh, yeah. I have a personal I, connection to this. People can't touch each other in yoga anymore. I don't get touched at all anymore. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Shannon, top of the next hour, 11 o'clock, we're going to get into this uh, story about the fires continuing to burn through Northern California. You said you smelled fire this morning, right? I think near Azusa. I did. I thought I saw something yesterday about a fire near Simi Valley. Was that? Uh, There was a small one up there, yeah. Um, And then. There was one north of Glendora yesterday. See see this? And yesterday was bad. Yesterday was warm. Yeah. And it started getting super windy. At least where I was, it was getting super windy. But we'll talk about that fire, the Delta fire that's burning up along I-5. They do say that there is one lane in each direction between Redding and Mount Shasta that's finally open uh, for people headed towards Oregon, but no flammable loads allowed, which I think it technically is every load ever is potentially flammable. Well, the Dallas County DA says her office will present the case of a police officer who shot and killed a neighbor to a grand jury. Grand jury could decide that a stronger charge than manslaughter is warranted. DA Faith Johnson saying in a news conference today that her office is first going to collect all the evidence it can surrounding this shooting on Thursday of 26-year-old guy Botham Jean, the police officer Amber Geiger. She's white. He's black. We still don't know the whole story. Um, The mother of the man who was shot in his home says she still hasn't gotten a full account of what happened. What we know so far is it looked like this police officer was returning home, parked on the wrong level of her apartment building and thought she was going into what was her apartment and it was his apartment and she shot and killed him. She has been a member of the Dallas Police Department for just four years. Uh, She was involved in a shooting last year. She shot and injured a suspect after he grabbed a police taser during a fight. Um, She wasn't indicted in that episode because clearly it was within policy. Uh, On Thursday night, she worked a full shift, which I think they said was uh, somewhere around 15 hours. She returned home to her apartment complex, uh, which is called Southside Flats, about a quarter mile away from the Dallas Police Department headquarters. And the mayor now says that she parked on the wrong floor of the parking garage at her apartment complex. And used her key on what she thought was her door, and the door opened. That's odd. That is very, I mean, you could, I guess, if the door is unlocked, usually the key wouldn't fit necessarily. If it would fit, it wouldn't, I don't know, I'd have to try this out. I I don't know if that would work or not. But the door opened in what she thought was her apartment, and there's a dude in there. And but wouldn't you him. realize it wasn't your apartment upon I, opening the door unless the lights were off and he's just in the hallway or something like that? But you know your apartment, whether it's a picture on the wall, a couch in purview, the kitchen. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I think it's going to be important to hear what her version of this story is. because I think if, alcohol was definitely involved. I, it has to be. Or just exhaustion. I mean, if she's she's been working the entire shift, here's the thing from the inside of the apartment. If if this guy is just hanging out 
sitting on the couch, whatever, and he hears someone jingling the keys out in front, out by the front door. He's going to approach then, the front door. Yeah, he's going to go towards the door. So she yeah. may not have even had time to realize yeah. this is not my apartment. Yes. When she sees a guy coming at her as she opens the door. And, and he's just thinking, who the hell's trying to get in my apartment? And the family is saying, is race a factor? If this was a white guy, would she have chosen to shoot and kill him upon seeing him in what she thought was her apartment? Uh, lawyers for the family want to know why it took three days for her to be charged. That, you know, if you or I would be arrested if we went to the wrong apartment and blew a hole in a person's chest. They also want to know why she wasn't in handcuffs the night of the shooting and why she was only booked on a manslaughter charge Sunday night. And again, why she was so quick to use that deadly force. This is a guy, by the way, who grew up, was born in the Caribbean um, in St. Lucia. He moved to the United States, graduates a couple of years ago from Harding University in Arkansas, moves to Dallas. He's working for the accounting worm, uh, accounting firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, and they said that his he was from a pretty prominent family back in St. Lucia. And not that that makes it better, worse, whatever. It's just that it's, you know, th- this is not just some random going to get a lot more attention, yeah. The other thing is that there are people who are saying that to get to his apartment, to get to Botham Jean's apartment, the officer would have had to walk past 15 to 20 other apartments, many of which have very distinct wreaths or doormats or even trash cans out in front. For example, Botham Jean had a red doormat outside of his apartment, very specific and unique. There you go. How would you not know that that wasn't your front door? It just doesn't make sense. Video taken from outside the building, shows the officer on her phone pacing back and forth outside the apartment, crying. Doesn't make sense. So she has been arrested for manslaughter. The takeaway from today is that the DA, like you said, announced that they're going to take this to the grand jury. The grand jury could decide this rises to the level of second-degree murder, possibly, Um, and depending on what sort of culpability she might have if there was alcohol involved or something like that i doubt that i doubt it I, I doubt it rises manslaughter is where it's going to stay i think so all right when we come back um big huge storm rolling up onto the east coast and is going to cause some massive massive problems we'll talk about hurricane florence when we come back gary and shannon kfi am 640 <laughs> KFI AM 640, Jerry Brown having a busy morning, setting a goal of phasing out all fossil fuels from our electricity sector by 2045. Brown signing it this morning. He's going to be hosting a summit up in San Francisco of climate change leaders from around the world later this week. I have a question. Uh Uh-huh. So he wants Would us. it make a difference if California acted and China didn't? Is that your question? No, that wasn't oh. it. It was, uh, he's so got to pardon the French boner for doing this sort of thing, but he still wants to run a fossil fuel powered high speed train between San Francisco, I'm sorry, between like um, Lancaster and San Jose. That's generous. 
But yes. That is yeah. <laughs> Bakersfield Merced. There you go. Those are more likely the uh, stops on that thing. <clears throat> also, primary season closing this week. Democrats seem very confident about their prospects for retaking the House. All a Twitter about launching impeachment proceedings. We'll have all the latest news coming out of Washington for you in Swamp Watch at 1230. Hey, let's talk about Hurricane Florence. The forecast places North Carolina in the bullseye of Hurricane Florence. It's Governor Roy Cooper talking about what he has been doing, including requiring an evacuation for an entire county in North Carolina. Dare County is beginning evacuations. I think Hatteras Island today, and I think the rest of Dare County tomorrow. And we expect that other coastal communities will follow shortly. Again, to be clear, they're not saying, hey, it's going to be a rough weekend. They're telling the entire county to leave because of Hurricane Florence rolling in. Maximum sustained winds are now at 130 miles per hour. Storm about 575 miles south-southeast of Bermuda. And it's moving at about 13 miles an hour. Again, yeah, it's going to... It's going to take aim at North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia later this week. Yeah, and it looks like the the, the majority of the problems, I mean, we really start to see the, the impacts uh, Wednesday into Thursday. And then it looks like landfall sometime between Thursday and Friday. So late Friday, late Thursday night into Friday morning is when the eye of the storm could potentially make it up there. But even then, I mean, you've got North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, even Delaware and New Jersey. They could potentially see the impact of this by Wednesday. They're not messing around, as you mentioned. Uh, U.S. Navy sending nearly 30 of its its uh, Virginia-based ships out to sea. Uh, the ships are disembarking today, including from the naval base, which is the, the, the world's largest there, Norfolk. And if you are, I don't know how many uh, football games are planned for Saturday and Sunday in the area that's going to be impacted by this, but like we saw with Hurricane Harvey last year, there's a very strong likelihood that once this thing gets onto land, it stalls. And if that's the case, you're talking about all the way through next week at this time, record amounts of rainfall possible throughout the southeast United States. In North Carolina, already 200 National Guard troops have been activated. They're asking the president for a disaster declaration already so that they can get federal help in there as quickly as possible, just saying that this is going to be the bullseye for this thing. Um, In terms of uh, precedent, they're saying that Hurricane Matthew from two years ago caused massive, massive flooding in the north, uh, in North and South Carolina, and they're saying that the flooding from this could potentially even be worse than that. 20 inches of rain expected in the Carolinas, and the National Weather Service said that rivers uh, will be above flood stage for several days, if not weeks, into this, and that the Weather Channel is already out and warning of disastrous level for flooding uh, for parts of the area. Well, behind Florence is Hurricane Isaac. Oh, boy. Isaac is about 1,200 miles east of the Windward Islands, moving west. It's a small hurricane right now, but they're saying this intensity could fluctuate as it approaches the Caribbean. Uh, but they said it, it, it could get near a hurricane, get to be near hurricane stretch strength by the time it gets there. Why can't I speak? And then Hurricane Helene was strengthening far from land over the open Atlantic. That one is about 375 miles west of the Cabo Verde Islands. Champagne at 945 is probably one of the reasons. That wasn't today. While that's going on, 
Hurricane My Daughter is for. Uh, oh, I saw a, that. Rolling across Hawaii. Very What's your soon. daughter doing in Hawaii without uh, you? It's a. Uh, right now, Hurricane Olivia is a category one. Tell me about it. Oh, uh, please. Have you seen she her? She is a light rain. Have you seen her room? No. Not a light rain. Not a light rain? Not a light but rain I, at I'm, all. It's in terms of the person. In terms of the person, yes. Sunshine and maybe a light rain in the she, winter months. She drove me to ice cream last night. How, how is it driving with your daughter? Is it scary for you or is she a good no, driver? No, she's, she's pretty good. Um, I, was, she, I would say, I don't know if she's listening. I would say she's not as good as her brother. Only because he was more Oh, because he's confident. a man? No, no, no. He was just mm-hmm. more confident going mm-hmm. into it. She's still a little trepidatious about stuff. And you can't be you can't be super trepidatious while you're driving around with other people. So like I haven't taught her how to express her anger yet. Somebody pulled out in front of us as we we're going up the hill and somebody pulls out to make a left turn, totally blows to the point where you gotta hit the brakes pretty hard to yeah. avoid a collision. And she just grabbed the steering wheel and went like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that's, exactly, it? that's good. No, because you don't want her to bottles get into all a, up. You don't want to get her a road rage situation. I'd rather her flail her arms in the car or something or honk the horn. Or... It kind of sounds like you. That is an issue. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is clearly mm-hmm. uh, clearly an issue. I think we're dealing with some bottled up emotions. We uh, um, Every week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have to make our big announcement. What's our big announcement? Well, we'll do it after the top of the hour. Okay. Let me write this down so that we know we're going to do the. I wish I knew what it was. Yes, you know exactly what it is. I just don't think we... This one. Make that big announcement. Oh, after the top of the hour. I had forgotten about that. I know. That's why we're going to do okay. it, so we can remind everybody. I was going to say, every week during football season, we've been doing Gas Fantasy Foreplay. Or we've been doing. I guess we did last week, uh, Friday. So we picked four games, and then when you follow along with us on uh, Fridays, you see which of the four games we choose. All you have to do is tweet in... The four games that you, or the four winners, I I should say, from those four games. And then on Mondays, we revisit the issue in the 12 o'clock hour. We'll talk about it. We got some winners for sure, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so that's good. So we're going to have to find some stuff. You know, I'm around if you want to have your daughter take lessons from me on how to flip people off properly or roll down the window well, and unleash a string of expletives you, at strangers you, and engage crazy. When you flip crazy. somebody off, are you like a no, full extension like of the finger? You're a bent. Yes. Okay, good. All right. I just want to make sure which which accent. I'll teach her the right way. Which accent you flip off with? All right, thank you. Appreciate that. Aunt Shannon's road rage school. Oh yeah, she's gonna call you Aunt Shannon. <laughs> Fires <laughs> updates when we come back. <laughs> to Gary and Shannon. You know it's fine. I go. Can you read that? You can read it. I'm not reading it. When I say we, I mean, can you read it? Well, we, so we started the story, or we started the show today with this Les Moonves story out of CBS. Obviously, he's down, uh, stepped out as uh, chairman and CEO because of these allegations of sexual impropriety and um, uh, sexual abuse and all these different things, retaliation when people would turn down his advances. And it was a story that was put together once again by Ronan Farrow. For the New Yorker, the same guy who did the massive piece on Harvey Weinstein. Well, the Washington Post... On its main page has a column by a woman named Margaret Sullivan 
I'm going to read the headline one time, and I'm going to let you go check it out if you want to. But this is – somebody at the Washington Post needs to read these before they post this as the headline. This is the headline about Les Moonves and Ronan Farrow and the story in The New Yorker. Ready? Here you go. The accusers of Leslie Moonves just kept coming, and reporter Ronan Farrow did too. We've got a news and brews coming up to tell you all about. This is exciting. September 26th, mark it down on your calendar. This is going to be at Wicks Brewing Company. This is in Riverside on Sterling Avenue C. It is going to be a blast. Come hang out with us from 10 to 2. Drink some brews, hear some news. We always have a great time at these, and uh, it's always such a wonderful crowd. We really enjoy it. And thank you for coming out in advance because it's going to be another party. Again, Wicks Brewing, Wednesday, September 26th, and we're going to have a blast. All right. Fires. Fires. We have been watching this fire burn in um, Shasta County. It's sort of uh, north and just a bit east of where the big, huge fire was burning uh, a couple of weeks ago. But in this case, it's called the Delta Fire. It's now at 47,000 acres north of Lakehead in Shasta County. The lake they're referring there is uh, referring to as Shasta Lake. Uh, one lane of the freeway in each direction has been opened now for 17 miles between Antlers Bridge and Lakehead. Flume Creek, Flume, never mind. You don't know where it is. <laughs> and they're saying that there are some restrictions. So no potential flammable vehicles will be allowed, which I think is a misprint because every vehicle is potentially flammable. I think they mean trucks carrying flammable materials. Oh, like, like hay, open flammable l- materials. Lumber, logs, wood chips. Right, exactly. Got it. Got it. All right. So they're actually screening vehicles um, as you get onto the freeway in certain areas to make sure that you don't go through the, that, that area that corridor with open hay, for example. This is a beast. A lot of fuel up there to burn, a lot of timber, a lot of brush. There are evacuations in place for three counties, more than 2,000 firefighters up there, scattered homes and cabins in and around Shasta Trinity National Forest, also under investigation orders. This was nuts because we, we talked about it last week. There were 17 big rigs that were abandoned along I-5. That's how close the fire was burning to the freeway at one point, which is why it was shut down for six days. But it's kind of funny to hear about big rig drivers just abandoning ship. Um, and I was, and some of them caught fire. I mean, the the seventeen you said that were yeah. abandoned there, some of them actually caught fire and are gone. So I made a joke, and I shouldn't have last week about how tough I thought truck drivers were that they got out and ran. But I suppose did you get your ass beat over the weekend by some truck drivers? Maybe. I'm sorry. Next time you say something like that, I'll correct it. I'll jump in. Appreciate that. There's also, did you, you said you smelled this fire. I think is this one that was burning near Highway 39 above Azusa. I think that's the one that you were referring well, to. Well, no, because I was coming from eastbound. I was, I was going westbound, I guess I should say. And hmm. it was about Pasadena-ish when that I started smelled it? smelling it. So I thought that the Simi Valley fire that I saw a mention of yesterday may have gotten... Uh, bigger, but that was not the case. Uh, there was one, like you said, in Simi Valley, but I didn't see anything. I didn't smell any smoke where I am, and I can usually catch a whiff of those every once in a while. Um, but specifically about this Delta fire, again, they're talking about community meetings. They're trying to get firefighters and others to give status reports to the people who live in that area. Again, the thankful thing about this is this is burning in an area where there are not a lot of people. I mean, 47,000 acres in L.A., like in almost any part of L.A. County, 
would cause the evacuation of thousands of people. In this case, you're talking maybe hundreds, maybe, that live in the area. The biggest impact is that I-5 had been closed for five or six days. There's another fire in Napa County. They say 30% contained. This thing blew up over the weekend. It's called the Snell Fire. It's burning in a really remote location, access extremely difficult. They've got cooler weather on tap this week up there, so that should that should help. But there are mandatory evacuations in effect there. This is the dangerous time. This is uh, the next couple months is when it's just truly terrifying to, to see the heat and the winds pick up. And the Santa Anas and all of that. Yeah, we had a pretty warm weekend. It was been it's warm in Northern California as well. And they're saying that the weather today is going to be similar to what we saw yesterday up there. Normal um, upslope winds in the afternoon that switched to downslope in the evening. Temperatures expected to be slightly lower than yesterday. And they're saying that this cooling trend is expected to persist for the next three days. But the smoke in Northern California is what's causing massive issues, especially in the Northern Sacramento Valley. Uh, pollution levels are considered to be serious for all people in terms of a health risk. So anybody who has respiratory or heart conditions, kids and the elderly are saying uh, are being told to stay indoors. People are encouraged to stay in the filtered air conditioning and to limit outdoor activity as much as possible. But if you must be outdoors, they're telling you if you must be outdoors for any reason, they want you to wear an N95 mask to help filter particles from the air. It's that significant and serious. Hey, September 11th is tomorrow, and we here at KFI are inviting you to join us in paying tribute by participating in the 9-11 Day of Service. This is how it works. All you have to do is just one good deed for 9-11 this year. Share it on social media with the hashtag, hashtag 911 day. Any good deed counts. Um, I'll be val- volunteering tomorrow to help pack up to 20, uh, let's see, 250,000 meals for our local food banks. 25 doesn't sound like a lot. We're going to do a quarter million, hope to get a quarter million done. You can come volunteer with me. It's just two hours tomorrow, September 11th. It's at the L.A. Fire Department Training Center there, right next to Dodger Stadium. Go to KFIAM640.com, keyword 9-11 day to sign up. Join me. I'll be out there from 3 to 5. Jennifer Jones-Lee will be there 11 to 1. When we come back, speaking of fires, somebody took advantage of the fact that we've been so devastated by fires lately and the, uh, the amount of energy and effort that the men and women who are working the fire lines are putting into it. She wanted to make a quick buck off of them. And uh, she's going to get in trouble for This it. is our apple of the week. Mm, love this one. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Some people got the real problems. Some people lot of love. Some people think I can solve them. Lord, heaven's above. I'm only human after all. I'm only human Gary and Shannon. This early on a Monday, and we've already enacted change. I mean, I know it's really John and Ken's thing. Yeah, but the Washington Post listens to the show. Clearly. We were uh, we're going to have to find a post that um, I took a screenshot of it. I'm just not sure how we're going to get this out there. But they did a story about the Les Moonves story where he steps down and it's Ronan Farrow's. Uh, it's on Ronan Farrow. Yeah, I, just have, I always have the Washington Post homepage up here on my screen and I... So to Gary, listen, listen to this headline on their main page. Who who came up with this and then ran with it? 
I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to take a picture of this and put it up there because I'm not comfortable repeating it over and over again. Okay. But the new headline is, Les Moonves' accusers just wouldn't back down, neither would reporter Ronan Farrow, which is which was exactly what they were trying to say the first time. They just used some language that was that if anybody would read it beyond the headline creator, they would go, uh, you know what? I think we're yeah, going to change that's, that. Yeah, that's, that's distasteful. Um, so, yeah, we'll do that. We'll take a we'll take a screenshot of that. But I mean, we'll figure it out. We enacted change within yes. what, 15 minutes? Within a few minutes, yeah. they had taken that uh, the original headline down and replaced it with something a little um, less in in. Infuriating. Probably. Okay, well, we need to have maybe a new desk called the Apple Desk because this woman, Ashley, is really inspiring such a new addition to the show. She is from San Clemente, and she is suspected of creating a non-existent firefighter husband to bilk people out of $11,000 in donations Money she claimed would help firefighters during the recent Holy Fire. Sweet Ashley. She has a history of scams, apparently. She's just 28 years old and already living a life of appledom. <laughs> she uh, was collecting cash and food and clothing and blankets, although probably more the cash than anything else. And she would set up this very elaborate sort of... Uh, history on social media before she would make these asks so that if you ever started looking into Ashley's past, you go, well, of course she's married to a guy named Shane who is a Cal firefighter. Of course she is. August 17th, Orange County Sheriff's Department detectives figured out that uh, she posted something on Facebook uh, and another belonging to a group called San Clemente Life that she was married to a Cal Fire firefighter named Shane Goodman. And she's collecting donations because her husband and his crew were not getting the supplies they needed while they were fighting the holy fire. She wrote this, uh, the search uh, warrant affidavit. She wrote in this post, Shane works for Cal Fire and is out on the holy fire right now. I also have two other family members and many friends out on this fire and other fires burning here in California. I received a text today from Shane saying it's pretty much a living hell out there battling the unpredictable holy hell fire. Uh-huh. She listed a long list of items that firefighters needed. Um, air mattresses. Oh, Orange County Register just kicked me off their page. Uh, socks, T-shirts, underwear, bottled water, baby wipes, earplugs, candy. See, because when you list things like baby wipes and candy and bottled water, it, it gives legitimacy to it, right? Yeah. Because those are truly things that firefighters need. And how many of us, when we've seen the call for this stuff, instead of going out and buying the stuff, we just write a check or send money. Right. Because that's your way of giving back. You don't want to actually go to the market and buy the baby wipes. You'd rather just... Do the good thing quicker. Yeah. And, and it's easier for whatever organization a lot of times for them to use your money to buy it. They can buy it in bulk. They can get a discount. They can get it faster, whatever it is. So the donations are rolling in and they're rolling in and more and more and the money is piling up. And some people started getting a little suspicious. So they phoned her in. Yeah. And these are people who knew of her reputation from the beginning. So anytime she's going to post something that's asking for donations of any kind. They call the sheriff's department. Sheriff's department looks up this Shane Goodman fella. Shane what Goodman, Shane Goodman? Shane Goodman does not exist and is definitely not a firefighter employed by Cal Fire or any other fire department within the United States. Which I think is kind of funny. There's not one 
Shane Goodman in all the greater United States who is a firefighter. It is interesting, isn't it? Um, furthermore, Ashley's not married to Shane Goodman. She's not married to anybody. And further than that, she doesn't have any children. Go one step beyond that. Cal Fire does not ask for donations from the public. Apparently, she took a few donated items to the command post in Irvine to make the uh, ruse appear legitimate. Investigators found hundreds of additional items in a garage at where she stays and a secret stash in a second garage. Just like, what the hell? Uh, As detectives were investigating this and interviewing people that know this broad, they began to uncover details of her past deceptions. Now, we got to go through some of these, but... Is this an indication to you of a mental health issue, or is it just that she's a manipulator? Or, I mean, are they I think, interconnected I think there? Connected. Okay. So, um, back in 2012, a guy named Quinn Bork said that he and his wife, Starla, threw a baby shower for her. A few months later, they learn that she had faked the pregnancy to receive free gifts that could be sold. She admitted to doing it and apologized. I mean, Starla Bork spent several hundred dollars on the baby shower, and it was money that, you know, she she really couldn't afford herself. But even worse than all of that, she then tells people who had gone to the baby shower that she was at the hospital, but she wasn't going to come home with the baby because the baby was stillborn. Okay, that gets you a spot right up there next to the devil in the, the Hellfire Suites. Right, because the somebody called and said, hey, uh, I wanted to talk to Ashley Bemis at Hogue Hospital. And they say, we don't have a patient here by that name. Oh, you know who it is, the woman who uh, whose baby was stillborn. And, and- the, the person on the phone at Hogue says, we haven't had a stillborn in two years. So they check all the other hospitals. They can't find her at the hospital. So they knew that they, uh, they had been scammed at that point was never pregnant. She admitted to that, too. Admitted to faking the pregnancy to get gifts and attention. She even wore a baby bump at one point. Oh, here's a weird story. Oh, I love this. This nanny. Uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, Hand It Rocks the Cradle. Oh, Rebecca DeMornay. Yes. So Emily Strickland reports to detectives that in 2011, she hires Ashley as a nanny to care for her son. Bad move. So she sees... At one point on Facebook, pictures of her son dressed as a girl with Ashley. And Ashley says, hey, look at my cute daughter. She's, this is Cheyenne. And Emily's like, wait a minute. That's my kid. And it's a boy. She was cross-dressing people's children. <laughs> Good so Lord. They, they eventually, she got a restraining order against Ashley out of fear that, that, that she was going to kidnap her son. She lists her occupation on LinkedIn as a wedding planner at a Sweet Pea event and celebration. She's not been arrested. No. You got to get this. You got to lock this girl up. Uh, If you think, by the way, that you may have donated stuff to her, uh, thinking that it was going to make its way to firefighters, if you want to, I mean, they're saying you can go by the uh, San Clemente Police Services Station and describe what you donated. They have... Like we described, stashes of stuff that this woman was collecting and not giving to anybody. So, how is she not arrested yet? Right, Apple of the Week, I think. Apple O the Week. All right, when we come back, another uh, angle to this hashtag Me Too thing that has affected one of us very personally. Um. All right, we'll go with that. Well, you said it's not you feel that like I w- you don't get touched. It's not anymore. that I want to be touched. 
It's just that it helps with corrections when you're in certain poses. With, like, your hips. I'll explain. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640. Darkness right in front of me. Oh, it's calling out and I won't walk away. I would always open up the door. Always looking up behind the walls. Want to see it all, give me more. You know, we were talking earlier about... An executive order signed by the governor today directing the state to achieve carbon neutrality by no later than 2014. Governor Brown trying to remove as much carbon dioxide from the air as it emits. And you you mentioned the bullet train. And I, Wait, what year? By you, what? 2045. Okay. And how the bullet train would be needing fossil fuels to operate. Sure. I forgot about their unicorn plan. It's been a couple years since I read into this, but the High Speed Rail Authority promises to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions in construction and is committed to operate the system on 100% renewable energy. That is not feasible. That is a true unicorn promise. That is unicorn fart. That is fairy tale land. Well,. That's uh, that's too bad. We uh, have been keeping our eyes on the Bob Woodward story as well today. The latest out of that is that he told, uh, I think it was NBC this morning, that he believes the chief of staff, General John Kelly, and the Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, are lying about their insults of President Trump. Remember, John Kelly supposedly called them an idiot. Jim Mattis said he had the, uh, the brain uh, capacity of a fifth or sixth grader um, or the mental level of a fifth or sixth grader when it came to foreign policy. And they both denied it, saying that the book, the Bob Woodward book, is a figment of someone's imagination. Bob Woodward now says, no, you are the one who's lying. This whole court's out of order. Well, we started with the Les Moonves story. Les Moonves out as chairman of CEO of CBS. He's going to stay on as an advisor with an office and a security detail. But 12 women have accused him of Everything from uh, groping to forced oral sex to uh, retaliation when they wouldn't give in to his advances. So he's gone. KQED did a write-up of the Me Too movement moving into the yoga rooms. Me Too unmasks the open secret of sexual abuse in yoga. And there's a disclaimer on this story on KQED.org. And it's funny because I've known I've noticed this recently in podcasts, like the thirty for thirty on deep. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Chowdhury. Yeah, Bikram. Bikram Chowdhury. They they did the same thing. They put like a disclaimer on it. You you know you're going to listen to a podcast about a nasty ass old man yoga instructor molesting instructors and 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 other women, but they put a disclaimer on it. Like this story is going to contain some sexual violence or whatever. You know what you're getting into. Everyone's just being so careful right now. Anyway, KQED did the same sort of disclaimer on this story about sexual abuse in the yoga room. There has long been an abuse of power situations in the yoga community, just like in any sort of cult-like situation that's all for the betterment of yourself. I mean, how many times do we read about these cults, whether it's Nixium 
or Charles Manson or whatever, where uh, there are people that rise to levels of power that take advantage of the people below them because you're supposed to trust this person willingly, do whatever they say, trust them willingly, and it's all for the greater good of self-betterment. Well, and isn't – I don't know enough about yoga. You don't have to get a – I don't know, license for yoga. I mean, or is there a teacher training is what it's called. Okay. But, but is there like when you're done with teacher training before you open Shannon's house of yoga, do you get, uh, uh, I don't know, a diploma? No, I mean, you could get a certified, um, uh, by the, by the, the yoga teacher training, I guess, but it's, it's all about, and this was such a racket. This is how Bikram Chowdy was Chowdhury was able to make so much money is because he was the the guy who would lend out hot yoga or Bikram yoga, right? Uh, and to put Bikram yoga on your business, you had to follow his rules down to the T. If he found out you're veering from the script in your class, then you, you, you would get the name of your studio yanked. You won't be able to advertise Bikram yoga. Um, but anyway, it, it's supposed to be a very open warm, non-competitive environment. Right. And when the story of Bikram Chowdhury came out, it turns out there's many different yoga gurus that were also taking advantage of the powerful situations over young women. So it's it's an interesting version of the Me Too thing in that people were taking advantage of their position and making it, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a power play. It's not a sexual thing. I mean, it's it's grounded in that, but it's uh, but it overall is a power play that these men are doing to these women. Right. And and what he would do a lot of the time is in again, they're young women. They're in their early 20s for the most part. They're very vulnerable. They're susceptible to suggestion. And, uh, you know, he would he'd make comments about their bodies, too. You know, and, and, and it would it, it would create this dynamic where you wanted his approval so badly that you would do anything. Well, there are people who are now saying that, uh, for example, Charlotte Bell went to a yoga workshop for back pain in San Francisco. This is 30 years ago. And there was a guy who was a teacher among them. And she was doing a variation of downward dog. Remember, she was there for her for her back issues. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing the, the hands on the floor, she's up against a wall. And her hands are flat against the wall, and you can imagine straight from her arms all the way to her butt, one straight line, and then her legs go straight down. So she's almost like in a in an upside-down L. She's okay. at a perfect 90-degree angle right there, bent at the hips. And she says, he came up to me from behind, put his hands on my collarbone, and then swept over my whole front of my body. Mm, I've never had that happen. Boobs and all. But they do do adjustments on the downward dog. Well, I mean, they'll come up right behind your hips yes. when you're in that V shape, right? And they'll push your hips to get it, and it it's it's good. The adjustments are good. They don't do that anymore. I've noticed this. It's all hands off now. They used to say they used to just go around and make adjustments, or they'd say something at the beginning of class, like, um, "When and this is just when you're in child's pose, so no one can see you raising your hand." But it says, you know, if you we're I'll be making adjustments throughout the course of the the day. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with that, raise your hand. And they'll say, okay, thank you. And if somebody and raises their hand. And then that would hand, have been a hands-off thing? Right. Okay. 
they don't do that anymore. They don't make adjustments. They don't touch anything on anybody. Well, and in yoga... And I think it's out of an abundance of caution because of all these stories. The whole point is that you've got to do the pose correctly, right? I mean, you've got to have everything at the right angle and everything I mean, to get yes. the... I mean, yes. I mean, I like it when somebody comes over and moves an arm or a leg or this should be here or whatever. I Because I want to do it right. Now, you could be screwing stuff up all the time. Nobody's going to say anything to and you. No one's going no to comment you. on your body. No one's going to do any adjustments. It's just the way it's going to go. There was a, That same man was accused uh, by a third woman. Um, she says that he slipped his hands inside her bra and massaged her breast while she was okay. in a resting pose in that, 1986 okay. in New York. That's, that's asinine. How do you, I mean... One hand gets in one corner of the uh, sports bra, and uh, I'm at. It doesn't and get, it doesn't relaxation get, it doesn't get to achieved, the massaging phase. No, whatever relaxation you had achieved uh, is is gone at that point. I mean, there's um, just no reason for that kind of stuff. There, the hands on the breasts. There is an acknowledgement they say in the yoga world that there isn't enough. I can't believe I'm saying in the yoga world, um, where if touch and trust are fundamental to the practice of yoga, where you've got to be able to go into place and, and trust that person to do those adjustments, to line you up in the right way, make sure that your hips are in the right spot or whatever, that without that, the entire practice is gone. I mean, you might as well just go home and watch a YouTube video and practice yoga that way and it have is. no clue it whether is. you're it's doing it It's not just right. a trust to, it's not just a trust to, it, the adjustments don't happen that often. I mean, it's not like they're oh, okay. going around and adjusting. yoga poser. No, it's just that it's, it's not like they're going around touching everybody all the time. It's, it's maybe three or four times a class in the whole group. But uh, it is a trust environment. You're in there. You're in basically no clothes. You know, your body's on display. You're sweating all over each other. It is kind of like a trust community of... In that way. I know. I'm making it sound terrible. I know. <laughs> We're all naked and sweating, and it's all about trust. Well, no wonder. All right. When we come back, um, hey, we haven't done terror in the skies in like three days. I think we've had a string of five or six in a row where we've done terror in the skies. Today's installment coming up. Also, uh, two things. I did include the Washington Post article where they changed the headline after we talked about it. And I wrote out what the original headline was. And I'm not going to say it anymore. So uh, go on Twitter at Gary and Shannon. You'll see our tweet on there about what they changed it to and why, obviously, it should have never been put up on their website in the first place. And I guess the Washington Post listens to the show. It's clear. The, clearly the editorial board. It's very clear. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I am the Shannon, the case against that white Dallas officer who shot and killed a uh, black neighbor in the neighbor's home will be presented to a grand jury. Looks like they're asking for a manslaughter charge. Of course, grand jury could decide on more serious charges. Just a bizarre case. She says she uh, got home, went to the wrong level of the apartment complex, and walked in the wrong apartment. She thought it was hers, but it wasn't. She shot and killed the man inside. Now, she only moved in a couple months ago, so that almost gives a little bit more credence to her story of mixing it up. But still, the thing that that gets me about that is he had a red welcome mat outside of his door. Not hers. 
She doesn't have she a red doesn't have mouth. Red. No. Um, so she's, you know, let's make assumptions. She's on her phone or something. She's barely paying attention. There was a chance that I guess alcohol could have been involved, yeah. but she was in uniform, the video that I saw soon after the shooting. So it would be harder to believe that she was drinking while wearing uniform. Not out of the realm of possibility. Unless but she had a couple of pops at the station. Don't think that happened, but... North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper telling people in North Carolina to expect ocean surge, strong winds, inland flooding with Hurricane Florence when it arrives. Thousands of officers, National Guard troops, government workers are getting ready for this this thing. They're expecting to take the bullseye, to be the bullseye here. It's time for Terror in the Skies. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Man, longest flight you've ever taken. Oh, uh, 14 hours. This 14, I think, is what yeah. we... Right? You went, for, you went to China and then on your way down to uh, Thailand. Yeah. Okay. Perth, Australia to London, nonstop, 17 hours. Mm. 17 hours. Imagine you're leaving Australia. You get about an hour into the flight, and some yokel goes in the bathroom and locks himself in there. And this is not something where you just don't notice that a guy has disappeared for a while and he's in the bathroom locked in there all by himself doing God knows what. He was making announcements and swearing at everybody and threatening violence before he got into the bathroom and then locked himself in there. Oh, that's that's troubling. So you don't know what he's putting together in there. You have no idea. Eventually, they forced him out of there. They uh, they handcuffed him. Basically, I think they used their seatbelts and put him in the back of the airplane. I love it, by the way, when crews do that, when they get all MacGyver with the seatbelts and create like, <laughs> you know, bondage for um, people that are behaving poorly. The thing is, rather than make this guy sit in his own stink for 15 more hours, they turned the plane around. Mm. And once you do that, you're done. You're not going to just let this guy off the plane, get back up into the air and make up for lost time. They put this guy on the Qantas airplane uh, in the back. When they landed, he was met by Australian Federal Police when it landed, uh, the 787 landed at Perth Airport at about 1030 at night. And they told people, folks, Moose out front should have told you we're not going to make it all the way to London today. You're going to have to be, uh, they ended up putting him up in hotels and took off the next morning. But still, if you got a 17-hour flight ahead of you, you get two hours into it and you turn around and go back, come on. That's got to be terror. I've got a good tear in this uh, sky story. It better be better than that one. There was an American flight scheduled to fly from L.A. to Dallas-Fort Worth. It was diverted overnight to Wichita Falls, Texas, because there were severe thunderstorms. So all 159 passengers were stuck in the Wichita Falls airport, like, awaiting accommodations. Like, what do you even do with all the people? Well, the captain on the flight, a guy by the name of Jeff Rains called Papa John's and ordered 40 pizzas to be delivered for all the passengers. Brilliant. Isn't that cool? Brilliant move on his part. Which airline was that? American. See, that some people get it. Some people understand. All right. We come back. We'll do all of our trending stories. Also, we'll revisit the story about Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. Was she just acting 
like a whiny baby about uh, stuff? No. And what do we feel about the woman who actually won the U.S. Open? And does everyone forget about John McEnroe? Uh, I don't get it. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. September 11th is tomorrow, and we here at KFI are inviting you to join us in paying tribute by participating in the annual 9-11 Day of Service. All you have to do is plan at least one good deed in observance of 9-11 this year and share it on social media with the hashtag 9-11 Day. Any good deed counts. I'll be volunteering to help pack up to a quarter of a million meals for our local food banks. You can come volunteer with me just two hours tomorrow at the L.A. Fire Department facility there uh, on Stadium Way in L.A. next to Dodger Stadium. Go to KFIAM640.com, keyword 9-11 day to sign up and join me. Jennifer Jones-Lee will be there from 11 to 1. I'll be there from 3 to 5. A very bizarre story that we're going to get into next hour. This uh, guy who owns a tiger zoo and calls himself Joe Exotic. He's running for political office, but he's also been arrested, accused of plotting the murder of an enemy animal rights activist. That's after, a big dose of America. After hiring an under, undercover FBI agent to kill her. So just bizarre. Uh, Swamp Watch stuff coming up at the bottom of this hour when we talk about Washington, D.C. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders giving her White House daily press briefing or her White House press briefing it hasn't been happening daily. But the big issue is whether or not president or the white house or somebody is ever going to put out a list of things that they have uh problems they have with bob woodward's book because the president has said that uh it is uh that bob woodward is a liar and bob woodward came back out today and said no i'm not lying it's jim mattis and john kelly who are lying so who knows hey what else is going on time for what's happening Looks like Florence has exploded into a potentially catastrophic Category 4 hurricane today as it's closing in on North and South Carolina, carrying wind and water that could just wreak havoc over a huge stretch of the East Coast later this week. Still a little fuzzy in terms of the exact location of landfall, but they're looking at the coast between um, North and South Carolina and even though there are a couple of models here that would have this, the, the storm itself stalling off the coast and just continuing to churn out right off the coast, that would be that would be devastating. That would be two, three feet of rain probably by this time next week. The governor of South Carolina ordered the state's entire coastline to be evacuated starting at noon tomorrow. Um, they're talking about a potential storm surge of between 15 and 20 feet high. That would be absolutely devastating. Uh, Les Moonves is trending today. Les Moonves now out as chairman and CEO at CBS. And one of the angles of it, well, the the basics of it, the New Yorker came out with a piece that has uh, 12 accounts, accounts from 12 women of forced sexual uh, acts that he was forcing on these women, uh, groping, kissing, unwanted stuff, and then retaliation for some of these women who refused his advances. So he's out, despite the fact that they had been talking about a severance package. He's not going to get it. They're at least putting it into a trust until they can finish their investigation. His wife was absent from her talk show today. Yeah. She, uh, the talk? The talk. Everybody knows the talk, I've never, right? I've never watched an episode of the talk. No, nobody has. 
this it's is... a kind of very bittersweet day for a season nine. Yay! Sharon Osbourne, one of the hosts. Um, we're about to talk about something that uh, affects everybody's lives here at CBS. And um, I've never been nervous in my life, but I'm kind of very nervous right now. And she goes on to talk about this whole thing. Listen, I don't I don't. We said this before. If somebody in my in the corporation that we work for, not that it would ever happen here. I'm just saying. Well, that they try to make it sound like it's does, a family and all that, that guy who that guy in that office. Yeah. It's way. It's yeah. That guy. Right. Even though he's an apple right. and deserves to be it, tossed it has out, no effect on us or the show we do or anything like that. It's just—it's a bizarre thing. Now it's, it's for, not connected. It, her, it, it is connected to them though, because the wife is on right. that show. And, and Sharon Osbourne actually started crying when she said that uh, Julie Chen was going to be taking some time off uh, um, to spend a, with her family. According to Julie, she's not on the talk, but she will show up on Thursday's edition of Big Brother. I'm not going to hold my breath, but. She's she's obviously dealing with these allegations against her husband, so I don't I don't begrudge her her time away. I just don't know if it's uh, likely that she would be back. Governor Brown has signed a 100 percent clean electricity bill. They were foaming at the mouth on social media over this this morning, touting this big announcement that was to come. Yeah. <laughs> Signing Senate Bill 100, <laughs> authored by Kevin DeLeon. It's going to be. California's 100%. iconic salmon runs. <laughs> the salmon run, we just harness the salmon. Run, I like trains. I like high-speed trains even better. Even better salmon. It was like high-speed uh, salmon. California is committed to doing whatever is necessary. Apparently they're in a rainstorm in Sacramento. Why is this so bad? California is committed to doing whatever oh, is necessary God. There's no excuse to meet for bad the existential boxes. threat of climate change. And yes, <laughs> it is an existential threat. Standing neck deep in the Sacramento River. SB 100 establishes how much of the electricity system should be powered from renewable energy resources. 50% by 2025, 60% by 2030, and puts California on the very bold path to implementing a zero-carbon electricity grid by 20. 45. Listen, in all Ambitious. honesty, I don't have a problem with this. No. This is 2018. I don't either, we, but I just don't understand having uh, sexual uh, reactions to, <laughs> to climate change at the Capitol. I don't think he has those anymore. You don't know that. I don't. I don't. But if, if he does, you know what gets him there, and it's climate change. It's greenhouse gas. <laughs> it's a fast salmon. Hey, uh, Post Malone is having a bad couple of weeks, man. So this is what happens when you get face tattoos, <laughs> kids. This is not. No, I don't think that's the conclusion. Okay, but so not only was Post Malone's plane forced to make an emergency landing recently, uh, if you remember that we covered that breathlessly because we thought we might lose Post Malone there for a second, and then uh, the car that he was being driven in. What? What are you laughing at? Uh, the car that he was being driven in got into a wreck the other night, so he bought a $470,000 Rolls-Royce. That makes sense. Uh, of course. So then gun-toting thugs invaded his home. Now, I will say this. <clears throat> he doesn't live there anymore. But law enforcement sources have said that three men smashed a front window a little after midnight, September 1st, entered the San Fernando Valley house 
where he used to live. And the guy living there was eventually pistol whipped. And what did the three men yell? Hey, where's Post Malone? <coughs> they stole a bunch of cash, jewelry, and cell phones worth about $20,000. If, if I were to go to your house and I was to bundle up all of your cash that's mm-hmm. sitting around, all of your jewelry that's sitting around, and all of the cell phones that you, you guys hoard, would it reach uh, twenty grand? No. Okay. I just, no, it, I'm just would, I, a, it probably wouldn't even reach two grand. And you listen, you do fine for yourself. Your husband has a steady job. I do fine for myself. There's no way. There's but no we're not way. jewelry people. All of the four of us. You know, I mean, we don't go to Cartier and buy cuffs. I just I, the jewelry thing. You're not post Malone. I clearly right? am not post Malone. So stop <laughs> trying to draw a parallel between you and post. Does he ever go by post, or does it always have to be post Malone? Do you this? always have to say both words? What is his name, by the way? I oh, don't think I've ever call. looked Let's up Google. That. Um, it's worth a Google. His real name. Uh, oh, I spelled it wrong. Uh, Richard Austin Richard Post. Okay. Austin Post. That's a fine name. I, I would argue the Austin Post is better than Post Malone. That's a paper. But Austin, Austin can an Austin be a rapper? Probably not. Probably not. Excellent point. All right, we come back. We're going to get into our gas fantasy foreplay, tell you who won, and what Serena Williams now wants from that umpire who was on the chair at the U.S. Open Women's Final. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We can get out. Shannon, some of the stories we're keeping our eyes on today. Les Moonves out at CBS. Uh, Twelve women have accused him of either sexual assault, sec- unwanted sexual advances, maybe retaliation after he would uh, they would turn him down. Uh, they were, as of Friday, negotiating a severance package, but after a new story came out in The New Yorker, he just resigned yesterday. Uh, he is going to stay on, apparently, as an advisor for some time, maybe a couple years. He'll get his own office, and he'll get uh, a security detail. But Hurricane Florence continues to gain strength as well. It's now Category 4. North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia all have already declared states of emergency. Landfall is not expected, if it even makes landfall, until sometime Thursday, perhaps. That's going to be a massive, massive uh, storm when it hits. Well, every football season, we play a little game here on the Gary and Shannon Show called Gas Fantasy Floor Play. Yeah. We pick four games every week, and we all pick who we think will be victorious in each of those games. And we ask you to play along with us on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And then just Twitter, actually, just Twitter, actually. Twitter. And then when you uh, when you win, we try to find something to send you from the office. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's slim pickings in there. I'm, I'm working with our promotions department to get, like, real prizes. Are you really? Yeah. Because we did last year. You mean as opposed to, like, uh, deflated balloons that we sent out last Correct. year? Well, last no. Last year did we sent we... out gas cards. Oh. Oh, that's good. We've never sent out balloons, have we? No, we've never. Good. We've just handed those to people. Lord, that's, like, that's worse than Market 198 stuff. <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're uh... working on real prizes, so. <laughs> this week we, we had the Texans at the Patriots. Niners at the Vikes, Chiefs at the Chargers, 
Bears at the Packers. What a freaking game last night that was. That was a was. great beginning to that Sunday Night Football. It was incredible. It had everything. It had the drama of the Aaron Rodgers injury being carted off the field, the drama of Khalil Mack landing with the Bears, and just the destruction he was able to <laughs> to to carry out for, for a brief moment in time there until Aaron Rodgers was, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers. If there was anybody who thought he wasn't going to come back in the fourth quarter and beat the Bears, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I mean, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were beside themselves. And I'm thinking, why are you guys so surprised? This is Aaron Rodgers. This right. is the fourth quarter. This is what he does. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say it was – I mean, it was a fantastic comeback. Is it the greatest game of his life? No. Because you know why? It's the first game of the season. Like if it's well, the, and it's not the Super Bowl. If, yeah. If it's the 13th game of the season right. and you need the win to make it into the playoffs, if it's the, uh, if it's the NFC Championship game, I get it. But this is – I mean, you're 1-0 now. Big – Freaking deal. I did think it was interesting when Deshaun Kaiser jumps in there, and uh, he came out of Notre Dame pretty early. Most of the experts believe he came out too early. And I, I actually like the human moment with Chris Collinsworth. He's kind of quiet as he sees him warming up, Al Michaels handling the broadcast duties, and all of a sudden Collinsworth says, you know, I've got to say something. He's like, as a broadcaster, uh, my kids went to Notre Dame. They both lived with Deshaun Kaiser at one point. He hangs out at my house all the time. And you could just tell how awkward it was yeah. for him to have to analyze that <laughs> play. Funny. Well, the winners, G drops the mic, Monica sells homes, David Jeffrey, NMG, that's me, Steve Rash, Laura 303, Not Me Again, and Big Wave Curtis all picked all four of those games correctly. That is unusually high. That's an unusually high that's number of people. So. Um, you think my dad's going to beat himself over picking uh, picking the Niners in no, Minnesota? I think he's I hope fine. not. And because you can, you could just tell him, "Hey, at least we beat Nick." Okay. Uh, this weekend, also the uh, U.S. <laughs> Open, uh, Serena Williams was penalized a couple of times. Now, she was penalized because the umpire believed that in her match against Naomi Osaka, she was receiving coaching from the sidelines. Can't get that. Can't do that. I saw an article yesterday that the guy who was her coach admitted I was totally giving her hand signals. She just wasn't looking at me. It happens. It happens all the time. Right. So um, she was penalized one point for at the beginning of a game, in between two games. She was penalized one point, so her opponent was going to start up 15 love. Serena eventually won that game and went on, but continued to complain to this to this umpire in between Which points and in between reps. also happens all the time. All the time. She at one point referred to him as a thief and a liar. Andy Roddick threatened the man and <laughs> wasn't penalized. You no, know, this, is, this is Serena during the U.S. Open women's final. You need to, you need to, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. Now, I've seen I've seen I've people seen get much worse. I've seen much worse. I've heard much worse. Right. So I mean, John McEnroe would throw chairs. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here going after Serena? And so of course the whole conversation starts, oh, it's because it's a women a woman and women are treated differently. And she was fined seventeen thousand dollars over it. But will it will it cause will it cause a change in tennis? There's been a number of issues with the U.S. Open and and some controversies. I think they have to revisit the issue. They can't just let this slide. I guess my question is, I I'm sure that those I know John McEnroe did all those crazy things. Does them getting away with it mean that what she did was 
it was still against the rules or still it's the fact that they, if they got away with it, then she should be able to get away with it. So for forever, for the eternity of tennis, if someone got away with something in 1980, when we get to 2030, it, there's no change whatsoever. We never Andy actually Roddick, crack- Andy Roddick wasn't back in McEnroe days. That uh, was no, when, but I was just, I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, like, it felt what, like a precedent is set. At what point do you just say, you know what, these are the rules we need to actually enforce I think them. now's the point where they're going to clarify that. And one of her arguments in that, in her outburst on Saturday night was, you you have to give me a warning before this. And that was one of the things that that didn't happen. He just, once this was going on and he ref, she referred to him as a thief and a liar, he announced to everyone, I mean, he announced in the stadium, in Arthur Ashe Stadium, so-and-so, uh, Serena Williams has been uh, penalized one game. And, I mean, but it wasn't really explained why. It was just explained that she received the penalty. And then then uh, U.S. Tennis comes out with its $17,000 fines. I mean, it was just handled poorly by tennis. Uh, not that uh, I thought she, I, I think she lost her mind. But I totally understand it. Um, it reminded me a little bit of when you were uh, the the third base coach at the Little League game. Uh, first base coach. First base coach, the Little League game. The guy clearly missed. His foot wasn't anywhere on the bag when he received the throw. Clearly safe. And how old was he? Blake, he was nine. Okay. Gary and Shannon, Swamp Watch when we come back. And, and I apologize. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Climb the streets and I found my way over. You know I've been so lost in translation. Like I'm fighting for truths in Babylon. Trying to find my peace in the zone of war. Even when the day comes. Yeah. Even when the day comes. Even when Gary the day Shannon. comes. Keeping our eye on Hurricane Florence. Governor of North Carolina says they are in the bullseye of this quickly intensifying storm. Asking the president for a federal disaster declaration now so that when the storm hits later in the week, the resources will be ready to go. We've also been following the story out of Dallas, a uh, police officer who went home to the wrong apartment, ended up shooting the guy inside, believing it was her apartment and he was an intruder. Um, she has been charged with manslaughter in that case, but the DA's also said it's she's going to turn it over to the grand jury because the charges could be increased. Shares of CBS have been down more than 3% in the first day after the fall of Les Moonves. Of course, the chairman stepping down late yesterday, following by that explosive story in The New Yorker that had some really graphic details of him assaulting women sexually. But he's going to stay. This is the part I understand. In the filing that they made with the Securities and Exchange Commission, he's going to stay on as an advisor. It's got to be a contractual thing. It's the only thing I can think of. He's going to have a security detail. You know, like in our contract where it says, hey, if you uh, force your private parts on a coworker or do. <laughs> Hold on a second. Well, it doesn't really say that, but it basically <laughs> says something to the effect of like, if you do something dumb. So egregious. We're going to get rid of you. Yes. I don't think he had that in his. You think there was a clause that said, I know he's going to do something yeah, dumb. There wasn't Weinstein's in there. That's true. Men. Gosh. Uh, our next news and brews, by the way, Wednesday, September 26th. I know it's a Wednesday, but come on. There's no reason why you can't come out on a Wednesday. Wicks Brewing Company there in Riverside on Sterling Avenue. 
Wednesday, September 26th, our next News and Brews, where we'll be out there from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. broadcasting live. 12.30 is when we talk all things Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the two things that uh, a lot of people have been reading or excited about reading, tomorrow is when Bob Woodward's book comes out. Um, He actually said today that the defense secretary, Jim Mattis, and the White House Chief of Staff General John Kelly are not telling the truth when they denied making disparaging statements about President Trump. Um, In the book, Kelly was quoted um, calling the president an idiot. Mattis quoted saying that Trump had the understanding of a fifth or sixth grader. But they have both come out and said they didn't make those statements and blasted the entire book as a work of fiction. Bob Woodward sat down with NBC's Savannah Guthrie today saying, I've never seen an instance when the president is so detached from the reality of what's going on. Adding, this has not been treated seriously enough. Some of the things Trump did and does jeopardize the real national security. Um, The president tweeted today, the Woodward book is a joke, just another assault against me and a barrage of assaults using now disproven, unnamed and anonymous sources. Many have already come forward to say the quotes by them, like the book are fiction. Dems can't stand losing. I'll write the real book, he says. And he insists that the White House is a smooth running machine. Now, the other thing that everybody's been reading, of course, is that uh, op-ed piece from the New York Times yes, uh, last week, the one that was anonymous and published on Wednesday. Saying that there are adults in the room. Don't worry, country. We are trying to avert disaster with this president. Obviously paraphrasing there, but yeah, that's a general takeaway. So there, you know, on Friday we were saying that the president uh, was supposedly walking around with a list of people that he believed may have been the author of this op-ed piece. And there was one specific word in there that immediately people started thinking that it was Mike Pence or someone close to Mike Pence because the term, uh, the, the word is load star, which is only a thing that Mike Pence says. Right. I know it's a word. I know it's actual, you know, it's in the language. It's not like he made it up. But in terms of common vernacular i had never heard it used before outside of a mike pence speech right and he uses it repeatedly yeah so when the fact when that word appeared in the op-ed a lot of people said oh it may not be the vice president but it's someone close to the vice president or a speechwriter for the vice president or a staff member somebody who would have also heard this word on a regular basis but he has come out Mike Pence has and said he is 100 percent confident that no one on his staff was involved with the anonymous New York Times column. And he says, I know them. I know their character. Um, And I don't know if you'd followed up to followed up on this at all over the weekend. The the guy who was in charge of the editorial page and was really sort of the decision maker when it came to putting this thing in the paper on Wednesday. uh, Answered a series of questions from. Washington Post readers about, you know, why did you decide to do this? Why now? Uh, Aren't you just making this guy being the president? Are you making this guy even more paranoid now? And if that was one of the problems, you just exacerbated it. But one of the questions I found interesting was, what is the Washington Post's definition of a senior official? Right. Because that could be anything. I mean, 
we, you, when we think of it, it's like a cabinet member or a high appointee that is going to have access to the president. I would say chief of staff of, of even, you know, the vice president and some of his uh, his go to people in the West Wing would be included. I had heard some news report that depending on the definition, it could include like 600 people. Oh, clearly. Yeah. yeah. And that was and that was the point of the question to The Washington Post was, why were you so vague about who this might have been? And the the guy said, well, clearly we want to protect our sources. You know, we, we want to do this in a way that keeps the integrity of the the New York Times. I'm just, I said Washington Post um, to keep the integrity of the New York Times, but also make sure that whoever wrote this uh, is protected from some sort of retaliation. So anyway, it was an interesting. interesting I think interesting. the uh, I think that the name of the movie will be Lodestar, by the way, huh. when it comes out. OK. Uh, one more thing, just a little postscript about the Woodward book. Uh, journalists are still scrubbing this thing, the ones who have access to it before tomorrow going through it. And there was a quote in here that Trump said to one of his friends uh, who had acknowledged some bad behavior towards women. So his like thoughts on the Me Too thing. And this quote was attributed to to Trump. You've got to deny, deny, deny and push back on these women. If you admit to anything and any culpability, then you're dead. That was a big mistake you made. You didn't come out guns blazing and just challenge them. You showed weakness. You've got to be strong. You've got to, got to be aggressive. You've got to push back hard. You've got to deny anything that's said about you. Never admit. And that sounds right in yeah. line with something he would it's say. Exactly like what he would say. All right. We'll continue with Swamp Watch when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. Mr. This has been a rough, rough week if you're on the eastern seaboard, that's for sure. Hurricane Florence rolling in. Uh, now, Category 4 could potentially just sit there and churn off the coast for a couple of days. That's going to be a big problem for There's... North, South Carolina, Virginia, etc. Oh, Bojangles Chicken is okay. Me too, Mr. Oh, Pickles. Me best too. Best fried chicken. Hey, uh, people are opining about the res- resignation of Moonves. Yes. And how it's not going to really change uh, when it comes to your network programs that you enjoy, but they do think it makes CBS ripe for a takeover. Well, re- don't forget, when we were doing this Les Moonves story a couple of months ago, we were talking about the Redstone family. Sumner Redstone's oh, daughter, right, Shelly, right, right. I think is her, is her name, that they uh, have been fighting uh, back and forth. And this is their opportunity to kind of come in there and, and take advantage of that. Uh, so the other story about Les Moonves is there were some people on the CBS board who knew about these allegations. That's the assumption. Of course there were. And that they did nothing about it, knowing that there was a potential for the story to get out, and they would rather ignore it and hope and pray that it didn't come out than actually do something about it. Well, say what you will about Omarosa, but she knows how to sell a book. Uh, Her book's still up there on the best-selling chart. She has talked this week about how staff working for the president would use the hashtag TFA in messages to one another when the president did something insane. Okay. That sounds kind of – that that sounds pretty common. It's it's weird that it's about the president of the United States, but – you know, like a common hashtag about something that you collectively make fun of in the office. Well, here's 
But like she's when, when, ma- we, when we used to hashtag the couch. <laughs> she's making it sound as if the people within the White House, number one, were texting her. And number two, that this was a pervasive thing. But when she explained it today on MSNBC, she said... She would use that hashtag TFA, by the way, in reference to 25th Amendment. She said that she would use TFA when texting with her family, with staffers, whoever that is, and people working in federal agencies. I have a very hard time believing that she ever really clicked with anybody who was in the White House. I don't think she and John Kelly got along at all. I think the first time he sat down with her was the day he fired her. They may have gotten along, but I don't think that they had high-level meetings. No. And this <laughs> or idea meetings that, at all. You know, the, uh, and the op-ed piece that she saw in the New York Times last week that we all saw was this opportunity where she said, oh, wait a minute, well, I, that's on page 47 of my book. In fact, she did say, didn't she, that on whatever page number she opines as to who might have been responsible for something like that, yeah. even though obviously her book was written before the op-ed piece was written. I don't. Cory Booker is getting ready for 2020. <laughs> he has he has sent staff to Iowa. I only think that's funny because, <laughs> well, I made a joke about him having a lazy eye, which is so disrespectful. I mean, he's a sitting you U.S. senator. I don't think you should be that making fun disrespectful. Of, of things that people I have know. that they can't control. I know. But he's got a lazy I mean, eye. And I was going to be make better. A joke we about, could be best. We could. I'm not doing it online. No, you're just doing yeah. it on a talk show. Well, yeah, it's totally different. You probably have more people listening to this show than you have followers. I'm just saying that he has a lazy eye. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. He made a, spectac- a spectacle last Thursday uh, talking about his I am Spartacus moment. Can we not say I? Yeah. Uh, well, because Spartacus didn't say I am Spartacus. He well, left- there's that, yes. Yeah. And he also didn't have a lazy eye. Um, Does Eric Garcetti have staff in Iowa yet? Oh, or has he just set up house there? Like, what's happening? He is having his uh, Stitch Fix boxes sent there now. (laughs) (laughs) That is a perfect profiling. Uh, He's got Stitch Fix, Trunk Club, and Studio (laughs) Five Four, and all of those boxes are going to his uh, his apartment in (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) So bad. Anyway. so Cory Booker is in, Kamala Harris is in, Eric Garcetti is in, in, and we'll see who else gets to line up for uh, for president on the Democratic side to run against President Trump. All right, when we come back, the latest on this Les Moonves story, because the reaction today on the talk, his wife's talk show, was a little strange. Four people that were watching saw it. <laughs> And one of them was Shannon. one of them was Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, so we'll try to up their audience. That was mean, huh, Amy? That was. You it know was what? funny it's, though. So wait a minute. I can't. It's I from can't sitting say in here with Gary. It's like birds oh, of a You've become jaded. All I yeah. said about uh-huh. Cory Booker, the senator from the great state of New Jersey, is that he has a lazy eye. Now that's not a that's not a positive or negative. If you think it's a negative, that says more about you than me. You said something to denigrate the talk crew. No. Yes. No, she insinuated that they have a tiny audience. 
Oh, I said, right. I'll look up. The I don't audience. think she insinuated anything. I'll, I'll look up the audience numbers right now during the break. <laughs> Gary Shannon will be back right after this. Set me free. Gary and Shannon, big story we were following. In fact, it's going to be a story all week is the uh, story of Hurricane Florence as it rolls into the East Coast. It's now a Category 4 hurricane taking aim at the East Coast and probably right smack in the middle. Somewhere in uh, North Carolina is what it looks like is the latest forecast in terms of landfall. Probably wouldn't come until Thursday. There are even some models that suggest that as it gets closer to the East Coast, It's going to slow down and, in fact, stall just off of the coast there and just churn blowing several feet of rain possible in some areas. Storm surge of 15 to 20 feet is expected in North and South Carolina by Wednesday. Hey, coming up next, we have a couple to tell you about. They met online playing World of Warcraft, decided to get married, have an open marriage, and it's ended in murder. Who would have thought it? Told you earlier about Les Moonves. In fact, on Friday... There were stories that CBS and the board were negotiating a severance package because of the number of uh, women who had come forward and accused Les Moonves of sexual impropriety, unwanted sexual advances, forced oral sex, uh, and then retribution if they ever turned him down, uh, turned down his advances. Over the weekend, The New Yorker released a very detailed graphic rundown of the allegations from some of these women. These are accusations that happened between the 1980s and early 2000s. Two women, their accounts really have been the most disgusting. A woman by the name of Jessica Pallingston and another woman by the name of Phyllis Golden Gottlieb. Gottlieb says she was assaulted in 1986 when Moonves drove her to a quiet area under the pretext of going to lunch and grabbed her head, uh, put it in his crotch, and uh, yeah. Well, you're that's the sanitized version, that's for sure. Put the into her mouth. Yeah, that's now his statement from this. That's just one of the allegations. His statement says the appalling accusations in this article are untrue. What is true is that I had consensual relations with three women some 25 years ago before I came to CBS. I've never used my position to hinder the advancement or careers of women. In my 40 years of work, I've never before heard of such disturbing accusations. I can only surmise they're surfacing now for the first time decades later as part of a concerted effort by others to destroy my name, my reputation, and my career. Now listen, if somebody had it out for you, that is quite a conspiracy theory, that you're going to be able to collect 12 different women who knew you at different times, who had access to you and whose stories are believable, and then concoct something just in order to destroy your reputation. Here's, here's a wrinkle that I just found in this. Vanity Fair uh, has an article that was published in the past uh, just – six months ago or so, May, by Dr. Ann Peters in the Annals of Internal Medicine under this headline, A Physician's Place in the Me Too Movement. And in that article that she wrote back in May, Dr. Peters announced uh, she recounted an incident from a patient from the past. Here's a quote. It happened many years ago in an exam room where I'd been asked to see a VIP patient early in the morning before regular business hours. I remember the early morning light 
filtering through the blinds. Uh-oh. She sat her patient at a small table as she conducted her initial interview, and after that, when she and the patient moved to the exam table, he grabbed me as I stepped forward. He pulled himself against me and tried to force himself on me. He did this twice. When I rebuffed him, he stood beside the exam table and satisfied himself. After he finished, he reassembled himself and left. Now, she said in her piece that her responsibility as a doctor made her legally unable to name the patient. So, you're, how, why are you drawing a parallel to Moonves? Because now it it's less Moonves. Oh, okay. She has. I thought you just found like some random assault story in Vanity no. Fair. <laughs> what are the possibilities? Uh, a source very familiar with the situation told the writer for Vanity Fair that in fact it was less Moonves. She's so no. nuts. She's... You know, you know, everyone knows that Hollywood is so shady and the whole casting couch thing, and you know, all the Harvey Weinstein stories. These are right in line, and and I gotta ask the question of how many more guys are there that are like this. You know, um, God, Jessica Pallingston was assigned to be his assistant in 1994. And she says during their first meeting at his room at the Regency, he began making sexual comments. He offered her wine, kissed her, asked her to perform an act on him. She, he, she says he also put he pushed her head into his crotch in a very violent, aggressive way. She says she started having a panic attack, couldn't stop shaking. She kept working for him, though. Uh, and and both Gottlieb and Pallingston say that, uh, you know, they faced consequences when it came to rejecting him. Golden Gottlieb saying she went along with the forced oral sex because she was a single mom at the time. She had two kids. He was this rising star. She did not want to ruffle any feathers. Just so gross. And then the massage therapist. Oh, the, so he would stay at the Four Seasons in Washington, D.C., and it seemed like on a regular basis he would have massage uh, masseur, masseur, m- people who gave massages up to his room. This is the same stuff from Weinstein, isn't it? Exactly the same God. playbook, where he would have them up to his room, and then they'd start the massage, and he would either uh, ask for a little bit extra or ask for too much or try to kiss them or try to grab them. To the point where they would come back out of that room and tell their boss or tell the hotel, I'm not going back up there. I'm never doing that guy's uh, massage again because he's too grabby and gropey and wants stuff that we don't do. Um, I wonder if they were friends. Moonves and Weinstein? Yeah. Yes. Just going out on a limb there. I just did the Google image pictures of them together. And there are... Swapping stories. Oh, many. Oh, I'm sure they'd have... I'm sure they swapped uh, moves, things that they thought were moves that were hey, clearly sexual assaults. You know what? You should try to open you the door shove with her face the in robe. your crotch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure that you grab the hair because that's you know that that shows her what she really likes. Yuck. We mentioned that they were in talks originally last week to give Les Moonves about a 100 million dollar severance package. 100, 120 million depends on who you listen to. And what they've decided is that that $120 million is going to be put into a trust pending the outcome of a couple of investigations into the, into the allegations. Two different law firms are doing their due diligence to see whether or not that $120 million needs to be given to somebody else. The $20 million that Les Moonves said he was donating to various Me Too charities, it's actually coming from the corporation. Of course it is. He's not writing a check for that.
Uh, his wife, Julie Chen, had come out and said, listen, I know that Les Moonves had sexual relationships with people before me. And they got married in 2004. It was a big deal because she was on Big Brother at the time. Um, but there haven't been any allegations since he was married, um, at least none that have come out so far. So her defense of him is clearly in line with what she knows of him, sounds like. She's taken a few days off. She was on The Talk on CBS. Did you ever find out how many people watched that it's thing? It's pretty, a couple million. Four? You said four. It was rude. All I said was the guy had a lazy eye. Um, but Julie Chen says that she will be back on Thursday's episode of Big Brother. I don't think so. I don't think she comes back for a while. No. I, right. I, I don't blame her. She's got some stuff to deal with. Coming up, we have a PSA about open marriages. Oh, we'll do that later. We'll have to do it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll do it's it a little still bit later. It's still coming Absolutely. up. It's still coming up, yeah. Reminder, our next News and Brews, Wednesday, September 26th. That's just two weeks away. Wicks Brewing in Riverside. I'm looking at you, Inland Empire. Are you going to talk like that when we get there? Possibly. Gary and Shannon. The major that your kid should pick when we return and the major your kid should not pick. Do you have any control over that kind of stuff? Me? Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> That's cute. Oh, oh, oh. Big stories we're following today include the uh, Delta fire burning up in Northern California, way up in Northern California. It had I-5 shut down over the course of about 45 miles for several days. Now they're saying that they have one lane in each direction open, um, but still 47,000 acre Delta fire is a huge threat. They don't even they don't want open flammable loads rolling through that area. So no hay or logs or anything like that. Um, Bob Woodward was out, latest interview on the Today Show this morning, saying that General John Kelly and Jim Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, that they were the ones who were lying about the insults of President Trump that he put in his new book, which comes out tomorrow. And then in Dallas as well, that police officer charged with manslaughter in the wrong apartment case where after her shift she went home and went into an apartment that she believed was hers and shot and killed the man who was inside, believing that, in fact, it was an intruder. Well, um, there is a new report released today that reveals the most valuable major when it comes to going to college for the kids or for yourself or whatever. Daria Albinger joins us now is on the story and gives us the details. What is this? Uh, what is this most valuable major? You know, before we go into that, let me ask you, what did you guys major in when you were oh, in college? This is embarrassing. <laughs> I started as a poli-sci major, uh-huh. took one of those classes and decided <laughs> I didn't want to listen to other people's politics for four years. Okay. Uh, so I switched to some sort of mass communications. Uh, All right. Okay. We both graduated from the same school, Daria, and it was, you did. Yeah, it was yeah. information and communication studies with an emphasis in media arts. That's exactly what it was. Okay. All Thank right. you. And where did you guys go to school? Chico now that I'm getting all your information out of you. California here. State University, Chico. Go Wildcats. Nobody's ever oh, heard good of it. Oh, you go Wildcats. That's right. I, I actually almost went to the University of California, Santa Barbara. Ended up going instead to the University of Texas to study journalism because it was one of the best schools in the country for it. Um, let me tell you this. After looking at this list, my dad was right. I should have studied STEM. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, what, what does it tell us? Well, it basically tells us what we all knew when we got out of college. If we could add and subtract, those of us who work in media, um, we'd probably be doing something else, and we would probably be doing one of these jobs where you make a lot more money, um, especially in your first couple of years out of college. This study is by Bankrate, and they rated more than 160 of the most common fields of study that people uh, that people want to pursue when they go to college or they go to trade schools. Number one was actuarial science. What is that? Actuarial science is basically crunching the numbers and things like insurance policies. Oh, Lord, that sounds you know, obviously so dry. You have to have a, you know, it takes a, a certain temperament and personality to study this. But if this is your jam, you can make $109,000 within the first five years of graduation. Wow. Well, and, and I, I think yeah. that goes to the um, that goes to this sort of uh, older adage that if you don't have to go to college for something, maybe your time is better spent in the business world. Now, I'm not looking at us, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, come on, information, communication studies, journalism, broadcasting, whatever. Most of what I can say I learned, I learned on the job. Well, I mean, I think that's a very fair assessment, and that's why a lot of schools right now that offer programs for people like us that want to study fields like we are going to go into have restructured their programs to where they are more like a liberal arts degree. Mm. So in other words, it's a great prep for law school. What are some of the other good (laughs) ones? Another good one is – now, this one I found really interesting, zoology was – zoology, rather, Mm. was, was, was number two, average income over $111,000 within five years of graduation. And apparently there are not very many people who go into this field because the unemployment rate is less than 1.5%. Now, you know, we've got one very unsexy profession, one more sexy profession, especially maybe, you know, uh, you want to study zebras, you'll travel the world, you know, probably. That sounds pretty cool. If you're in zoology, zoology, get a really cool job like Jack Hanna at the Columbus Zoo. But there are some other fields which, you know, are much more common where you can get a job that is a good paying job without having to, you know, 10 bar on the side or, you know, Work, work whatever you're going to do on the side while you're waiting for that, that salary to catch up with, you know, your degree. Like health and medical preparatory pro- programs, $130,000. That was the highest of the average salaries just out of, out of college. And we probably should, be, you know, tell you here that this is just with a bachelor's degree. You know, once you add on the master's degree and you add on the doctorate or the MD program in a lot of these fields, that salary goes up even more. Yeah, but so does your debt as you get Absolutely, through, so. yeah. And, and, and it's more years of your life that you're going to dedicate to, to your education. So, you know, it really is a juggling thing. Okay, I have zero control over my 16-year-old daughter, but this is now <laughs> sort of on the radar in terms of, you know, looking at colleges and potential majors and things. What yeah. should I keep her away from? From. The things you should keep her away from, I hate to tell you this number, 158? Communications. Yes. Visual and performing arts. And, and, that would, and media would fall into that. Uh. Um, now, this one, you know, I have a niece. I have a 16-year-old niece who is looking at school, and the, the kid is really smart. And, you know, we basically tell her, you can do anything you want to do as long as it's being a doctor or a lawyer. But there you go. she wants to be a chef. Uh. Um that's something that maybe you should do after you make your money because the average income and we're you know we're averaging in New York and LA incomes with a lot of parts of the country which make far less than that. Right. 
$42,000, the average unemployment rate closing in on 5%. Everybody wants to do this. Clinical psychology, composition and speech, another, another major that a lot of people in our field go into, um, and miscellaneous fine arts. We got lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. That's a good way of saying it. Daria. We worked hard, though. We all worked hard, though. Uh, <laughs> Daria, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Bye. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how much control you have over your kid's major. I mean, I took very seriously into consideration what my parents said. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't say a damn thing. No. And I, it's not that they didn't care, I don't think. <laughs> I just think that it was not i mean they knew it really wasn't up to them same thing for my daughter listen it's not up to me what she wants to do i if she were to ask me i would say hey let's make sure you can pay for your chef school whatever you want to do on the well, side you're that gonna can have to be pay fun. for medical school different yeah and much more willing to do that than to pay for culinary school she does have uh talents in the kitchen and she cook a lot mm. She makes cookies a lot. Perfect. What oh. else do you need to do you to have talents in the kitchen? The right cookie, though, that's for sure. Coming up next, have you heard of Joe Exotic? He's the uh, Tiger Zoo owner that tried to take out a hit on an animal rights activist. It didn't end well for Joe Exotic. Oh, he's also running for president, I think. Or he did run for president. Oh, he did? Yeah. Huh, how do we miss that? We should have had him in studio. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. like a little piece of cheese. It sometimes. does, doesn't it? Like one of those little individual like a little brie or something. Yeah. Gary and Shannon, it's Monday, September 10th. Somebody needs to come in and take the Play-Doh away. No one's taking my Play-Doh away. We have uh, been telling you about this uh, Les Moonves story, of course, out at uh, the head uh, as the head of CBS after a series of women came forward with stories of uh, sexual abuse against him. And uh, there are at least two... Uh, legal groups, two legal offices who are going to be doing the investigation on behalf of CBS. We have an update out of Dallas. Of course, that police officer that said she shot a neighbor whose home she thought was her own when she entered. The The latest news is that he ignored her verbal commands. There was an arrest affidavit affidavit released today saying that officer amber geiger said she didn't realize she was in the wrong apartment until she shot this guy and then went into the hallway to check the address but that she did give him verbal commands i don't know if that is even relevant if it's his apartment right i guess to show that she thought that she was in the wrong place i don't i don't know that is a bizarre thing. The DA says they're going to take that to the grand jury because the manslaughter charge that they have right now could potentially be uh, upgraded, I guess. Uh, all right. You don't know Exotic Joe. Um, Joseph Maldonado Passage has been arrested in the state of Oklahoma. Um, he it depends on how in-depth you got when it came to the 2016 presidential candidates. I'm Joe Exotic, and today this is not going out to any kind of a presidential candidate or any politician of the purpose of this video today he should let you know who i am first thing is i am not cutting my hair okay i'm not changing the way i dress i refuse to wear a suit 
I am gay. I've had two boyfriends most of my life. I currently got legally married. Thank God. It's finally legal in America. I've had some kinky sex. I have tried drugs through the younger years of my life. I am broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in Florida. But I can tell you, I paid a fine with the USDA, and that is nothing but a civil fine, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that does on. not mean that I was accused or convicted of any kind of animal cruelty. It's important that that little point there where he said he had been sued by a woman in Florida. Yeah, he's been fighting with this woman for years. Her name's Carol Baskin. She's a couple of years older than him. She's an animal rights ac- activist, and she runs a rescue sanctuary with her husband in Florida. Now, according to federal prosecutors, it looks like Joe Exotic paid a hitman $3,000 to travel to Florida to off Carol Baskin. Now, because because Carol and her husband had been calling on this guy, calling the USDA, apparently, because they're the ones who would, uh, I guess, handle all the prosecution for somebody bringing in exotic animals or caring for exotic animals uh, and giving licenses to care, therefore. He built a tiger enclosure in the state of Oklahoma, and he refers to it as one of the best ones in the entire country. Uh, his, his business is called Big Cat Rescue Entertainment. He would also do things like take tiger cubs around to malls around the country and set up petting zoos, and Carol and her husband were calling the USDA complaining that this amounted to animal cruelty. At one point, he posted a video on social media and in the video, he shoots a blow-up doll and says, Want to know why Carol Baskin better never, ever, ever see me face-to-face ever, ever, ever again? This is how sick and tired of this S I am. And then shoots the blow-up doll. And then blow shoots doll. the blow-up doll. That, okay, listen, guys. If you've got your mind set on hiring a hitman to do your dirty deeds, don't do a fake murder of the person and post it online. Because that's going to lead him right to you. Well, I, I can't. I can't suggest that this guy appears to have both feet on the earth. No, it's um, a good way to put it. He was thrown out of a Donald Trump campaign rally several years ago as well in 2016 when he was running, and then last year his husband died after accidentally shooting himself in the head. Hmm. Wait a minute. How or old, did he? How old is Joe? Joe's 55. 55. His husband was 23. Interesting. So then he married another 23-year-old a couple of months later. Right now, he could face 20 years in jail, not only for uh, for the first attempt to go kill the woman in Florida. He eventually hired somebody else who turned out to be an uh, undercover FBI agent uh, to go and kill Carol Baskin in Florida. So oh, I just tracked down a picture of his husband's. And? Well, this is the wedding. Apparently he married wow. both. He married both of them. Can you do that? Uh, I mean, I know how progressive Oklahoma is, but can you marry two <laughs> men at once? <laughs> um, speaking of, there is a story as well um, uh, that comes to us. Uh, let's see, from the Sacramento area. Make sure that if you're going to go down the road of an open marriage, that you're willing to die for it. That's good. You really, uh, you you know really crystallized that. What do we, we need? We need Keith Morrison. <gasps> yes, we do. Going to go on an open marriage? We're going to go get the Keith Morrison desk 
and we'll meet you back here. Sure, you're willing to die for it. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, that uh, Delta fire that's burning up in Northern California above Redding still has... Uh, a lot of I-5 shut down. They do have one lane in each direction that's going through. Uh, but at 47,110 acres, that fire continues to encroach upon the uh, the freeway there. And still getting through that area is going to be very difficult if you're traveling up there. Hey, tomorrow is September 11th, and we here at KFI invite you to join us in paying tribute by participating in the annual 9-11 Day of Service. All you got to do, plan at least one good deed in observance of 9-11 this year. Share it on social media with the hashtag 9-11 Day. Any good deed counts. I'll be volunteering tomorrow afternoon, 3 to 5, to help pack meals for local food banks. Come volunteer with me. Uh, Just two hours. It'll be tomorrow again at the L.A. Fire Department Training Center right there on Stadium Way near Dodger Stadium. Jennifer Jones-Lee will be there from 11 to 1. Excuse me. I'll be there 3 to 5. Go to KFIAM640.com, keyword 911 day to sign up and join me. Lee was 42 years old. After he got divorced, he married 17-year-old Rebecca. And Lee and Rebecca... Wait, Rebe- I'm sorry. Let's, let's go ahead. Go ahead. 42, 42 years old years. and he yeah. marries a 17-year-old. 17-year-old got named it. Rebecca. How did they meet? Keith? Well, a video game played by many people called World of Warcraft. Uh, it turns out... And what, be- and what better way to, what better foundation, perhaps, to uh, start a marriage than World of Warcraft? And they decided that they were going to have an open marriage. Uh, they invited one or more sexual partners to join them. Despite the open marriage, they were virtually inseparable. They would choose jobs where they could work literally together to minimize their time apart. But, as with any relationship, there were cracks. <laughs> Rebecca became more independent because, oh, I don't know, 18. She'd start a new job. And while the the openness, the swinging continued, they'd invite a male friend into the relationship for the mm. first time. So they're they're getting drunk on Easter Sunday last year when uh when Lee decides to beat up on Rebecca after an argument. On Easter Sunday. She goes to a doctor. She goes to the hospital. She tells the doctor she fell down the stairs. Can we please come up with a new thing, please? Uh, she goes back to her home the day after and wants to get her stuff and to tell Lee that she wants a divorce. He becomes enraged, and he shoots her multiple times. After he was sure that she was dead, he placed coins on her eyes. Coins on her eyes. For the boatman. What is the boatman? Uh, it's a death ritual that dates back to Greek mythology. Okay. Coins are put on the eyes to make sure that you could pass over the river Styx. How did you know this? Because I read it right there. Got it. <laughs> Lee then cleaned up the crime scene, drove to Clayton, Georgia. He was using Rebecca's phone to send text messages to her relatives to try to cover up the disappearance. Put his wife's body in a 55-gallon oil drum and puts it in a grease pit under a tractor. And then he goes to Oklahoma to visit someone named Hamster, whom they had (laughs) met on World of Warcraft. Hamster. Well, guilt 
gets to our friend Lee. Of course it does. It always. It always does. The guilt would never leave him alone. <laughs> the Oconee County Sheriff's Office down in Florida began investigating the disappearance of Rebecca when Lee returned home. Now, this is not entirely clear, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm too bored to do the research. on. It says that they started investigating her disappearance when he walked into the sheriff's office and said that he killed his wife. Yeah, that would be a good time to begin the investigation. Right. When the guy walks in and says, I killed her. So he then led investigators to his wife's decomposed body and the murder weapon, which was still in his vehicle at the time. He'd not even, he never got rid of the gun that he used to shoot his young wife. So apparently World of Warcraft romance is not that odd. It happens all the time. Cosmopolitan did a write up of three couples about how the world of war how World of Warcraft brought them together. And in fact, they even had World of Warcraft themed weddings. Um this online role-playing game involves a lot of interaction with other people, and that interaction turns to the friendships that lead to romance from time to time. You're doing this to provoke me. And uh, Cosmopolitan talked to, to three different, or four different couples about how they took their relations, their relationships out of Azeroth. Out of what? Azeroth. That's the uh, that's where Warcraft is set, the fictional land. Azeroth, and into the real world. Uh, let's see here. Amanda and Jeremy, both 31, have been married four years. They met raiding a small little town. They attacked a horde village in Ashenvale. He was just somebody who was in the zone, and they formed a party with other people and attacked the town. <laughs> you are doing this to provoke me, and I'm Jen not going to allow it. and Nick married two years. They met... Through eHarmony, but since they both played the game, they talked about that pretty much all the time. Nope. Talking about Azeroth. Nope. Ashley and Josh married one year. They met in Hermitville. What is that? Exchanging swords in the... I'm making this up. I'm just making, I'm just making up names now of different <laughs> lands. Well, back to our story. This week, Lee was sentenced to 40 years in prison plus five additional years for the possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. And what I thought was funny is the prosecutors said, we need to thank the sheriff's office for their outstanding work in this case. I remind you, they did not begin investigating the disappearance of this woman until the husband walked in and said, I killed her. And that's when the investigation began. So in terms of, uh, you know, brilliant police work there, Bob, I don't think that's necessarily this Matt, is not the best example. Of Matt it. and Kelly were, uh, well, Matt was in level 29 and he had just started <laughs> questing in Thousand Needles. And during one of the long runs back to Freewind Post, he noticed someone being mobbed by a bunch of critters. He threw out a heel and started to help in the fight. And lo threw- and behold, there was Holly. She whispered me a thank you. And I said, you're welcome. And then I asked her if she'd like to quest together. I looked at our logs and realized most of our quests were the same. So off we went, zipping through quests. John. We are are seeing humanity collapse in on itself. 
Yes. We are witnesses. It's been to it now. it's been a pretty steep We had a good decline. run. We had a good run there for a while, but it's time for humans to give up their ghost and move on. Oh well. Speaking of Hi. optimism. <laughs> John, how are you? I'm all right. Have uh, you ever heard about a couple that met playing War of uh war, what is it called? World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft? No. I I don't. I don't know anything about that world. Yeah. yeah. No. Neither it's, do we. I, I. don't want to know people. <laughs> What's coming up? <laughs> Who on the do? Pro- <laughs> um, uh, we got uh, right after two o'clock. They they had hundreds of people show up in San Pedro to protest the vagrant shelter in a residential area next to schools and kids and families. Uh, so they uh, created quite a ruckus. And what are they homeless to, phobes? Huh? Are they yes. homeless phobes now? Uh, well, yeah. What is it? Uh, no, there was a word we came up with. Ruckus. No, hobophobes. Oh, hobophobes. Hobophobes, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. We're right. trying to keep on top of all the trends. Hobophobe. <laughs> That's that. John and Ken keeping on top of all the trends. Yeah. That's what we're here for. John it. and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Oh, goodbye. Gary and Shannon.